in my interest in craft, I mean, it was always this kind of idea of like pushing forward. I mean, I kind of kind of was taught that uh, in graduate school and uh, undergraduate school that you know you're you're going to take this material that has this long history, uh, and you're going to appreciate the long history of it. But then you're you know your job at this is to find out your voice and and to push this material forward into this kind of voice that that you have and um and i i love that aspect of i i think it's still real the the real uh, strength of, of art Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 114th episode, Richard Coyman joins us to talk about his landscape paintings. He currently resides in Michigan, where we had a little bit of a Skype issue today, so hopefully you can work through that. It's a great interview, so please enjoy that. We talk about how we transition from being a ceramicist into falling in love with painting, literally and literally, so stay tuned for that story. It's very interesting. He has an exhibition at the end of the month, June 27th, at the Old Art Building in Leland, Michigan, where he'll also be teaching a workshop later in August. So please check out richardcoyman.com to check out all sorts of news and updates about his current exhibitions and workshops. So please check it out there. If you're a new listener and you're hearing about Studio Break for the first time, we just want to remind you that we are a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists that come on and talk to me about their studio work what research they do, what kind of materials, what kind of process they use. And it's all available on studiobreak.com. Again, each of those interviews come with images of the artist's work, links to their websites, and you can access all of them through the archive feature on the left sidebar. Scroll month by month and check out all the great podcasts that you miss. Once again, you can find us in iTunes. Just follow that link to subscribe to the Studio Break podcast in iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break. You can follow us on Tumblr, that's studio-break. And again, artists, if you're out there and you like Studio Break, please follow us. Of course, you can also like our Facebook page and keep apprised with all the latest goings-on of Studio Break there. You'll see that we share a lot of recent work from artists that have been on Studio Break, artists that are appearing on Studio Break, and of course, any cool opportunities that we come across. So please like our Facebook page. All right, here is our interview with Richard. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. I am really happy this morning to be chatting with Richard Coyman. How are you? Good, good. Yourself? Excellent, excellent. We were talking about the weather that we have, the days of just crazy storms and stuff like that. So hopefully um, you'll be able to get out and, and do something this afternoon, I guess, since I'm taking up your time this morning. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to talk with you. I really admire uh, your dedication to this, this podcast. All right. So where where are we talking to you from today? Where are you at? I live uh kind of in a rural setting which is about uh it's uh it's technically in a little town called Calava, Michigan, which Calava is a it's a little Swedish enclave or it used to be you know kind of a Finnish I I believe uh, uh town and uh I'm in the lower peninsula hours north of Grand Rapids and about an hour southwest of uh, Traverse City, Michigan. And is this where you're originally from in this area? No, I, uh, I was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then uh, after graduate, I moved uh, to the northwest uh, part of Michigan and uh, been up this way ever since. You know, what, what kind of things were you interested in when you were a, a kid and uh, just kind of running around and and aimless before you uh, before you decided to stake your claim as a as a artist, I guess. Oh, well, that that's that's a great question. I mean, I grew up in the country. My I wasn't you know my parents weren't they weren't farmers or anything. My dad had kind of a he was you know haven't had an office job, but I grew up in the country. And ran around with a couple neighbor buddies and. Uh, uh, so I think the the rural aspect has been important, but I I think a real deciding factor 
for myself as an artist is the fact that my parents, uh, they immigrated after World War II. They're both uh, Dutch uh, people. So I kind of grew up in this kind of European-influenced, very uh, liberal parents in a very conservative part of, uh, of Michigan, right, in Grand, the Grand Rapids, outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I think that aspect of feeling outsider like my I always my parents I think kind of never fit into uh, the typical conservative culture um, I think that was a real deciding factor to you know to go into the arts it always seemed like like a uh, you know like a less typical thing to do is to become an art student was it something that was really formal then? Did you have a lot of art classes and formal art training in schools uh, and camps, art camps and stuff like that? Or no, and that that's uh, that's the interesting aspect because I kind of really grew up, and I don't know if this came from my parents or just the culture that I grew up. I really kind of grew up thinking that if you were going to be an artist, you had to be like born with a talent. Back then, I mean, every elementary class and junior high and high school, I mean, there was always an art class. But I never, you know, thought of thought of that as a, as a future. And it really wasn't until like my second year in undergraduate school that I took a uh, Introduct, it was called Introduction to Studio Classes, and it was like so many weeks of sculpture, so many weeks of drawing, and so many weeks of painting. And that that class alone really kind of changed my mind, and it kind of like introduced the possibility that, you know, this, this is something that I could do. So I didn't grow up uh, like as a child being really like art educated at all. In fact, probably just opposite. Yeah, you know, I think it's fascinating that, you know, so many artists that I've talked to come to this through through different means, through different ways. Some of them, you know, take a lot of classes and some don't. So it's it's interesting to hear you say that. Um and so so what other things were you interested in doing? Did you have other hobbies and other other interests? When I was 11 years old, I uh, I got hit by a car on a, my bicycle, and I really had a really bad fracture of the leg, and that accident kind of kept me outside of the predominant like sports culture w- which I grew up in. I mean, my high school was you know everybody sports was the the thing, and because I couldn't play sports. I think it it did steer me in high school. I remember like, you know, participating in some plays and drama classes and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe that was like a, the first uh, inkling, but it's kind of really like a combination of all these three things that I, I talked about. And did you wind up going to school in the, in the same area or did you leave the state or? I did. I went undergraduate school um, at Grand Valley. At that time it was Grand Valley State colleges now it's a university and it was a it was a really ripe interesting time uh, grand valley was like a really small uh it, it, this was uh in the late 70s it was actually four different types of it was quite radical for the time they had four different types of colleges that you could attend everything from uh, a traditional um you know College of how colleges run today. To uh, on one hand, there was also a college. It was called Thomas Jefferson College, and um, basically, you you know, you designed your own curriculum. There weren't classes. You had like advisors, and oh, by taking this introduction studio class that I took, I actually got involved with the clay community. And I became an undergraduate student. I became a uh, BFA candidate in ceramics. So I kind of came to came to painting through the back door of fine fine crafts. Interesting. And after uh, uh, Grand Valley, I went to graduate school at uh, Ohio State University, and I got an MFA in, in ceramics. What kind of things were you exploring in ceramics? I mean, is it is it something that relates, or is it was it something that was purely about form? Yeah, I think it relates a lot. Um, it has different intent. 
and maybe different purposes, but whether painting or working in clay, you know, it, it, it involves making, you know, it involves uh, handwork and thinking. I mean, even, I mean, it's kind of a, a, a generalization to say, oh, well, that's that ceramics, that's, uh, you know, that's just uh, craft or that's just fun. Craft. That's just handwork. But even within that environment was this really rich microcosm of, of, of a world. I mean, when I went to uh, school, it probably still exists. There were like two camps of, of ceramics. There were the functional potters that were interested in making, you know, just utilitarian ware. Their, their influences were... European and, and Asian, and, and then there were the the other, I don't, we called them the funk. I mean, there was funk versus functional. There were the people that wanted to maybe push the idea of clay to more of a fine art, uh, formal ideas of contemporary art. And so the, just within that microcosm were these two worlds, and they both involved different things, but they you know, they both involved making things. And so I kind of think in terms of painting is, you know, I'm making a painting and there's still things that apply from my three-dimensional craft thinking that that I I think I use every day. One of the things that I'm especially interested in too is like what what kind of things were you interested in making then? I mean, which which camp were you in or did you kind of straddle both or... Well, I certainly appreciated both. I, I ended up in in more sculptural, the the funk aspect of it. Looking back on it now, it's all hindsight. But there was frustrations that I think that led me to to become a painter because by the time I reached uh, graduate school, I was just like making objects making like big big discs that I I threw on the wheel or I in these kind of house out of clay that I uh, ended up painting with acrylic paint because I I found the glazing aspect of it, you know, really uh, kind of frustrating because you, you don't, when you glaze something, it may turn out to be like, let's say something green, like a green glaze. But when you put it on the pot, it's not at all. It may actually be like white or or something like that. And, and I found that like, completely frustrating so i i ended up just like making uh making objects out of clay that i would paint in in kind of an abstract manner you know colors and stuff like that on, on the clay surface and it was it was cool enough i mean it was a, a ohio state university they had a a broad enough uh program to open enough idea that you know they they welcomed that type of exploration well, and it especially interests me just because um, I love getting people on the record to, uh, you know, to trash old ways of thinking, especially. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I mean, what I mean, what kind of art were you interested in at the time? I mean, is the, is that something that I don't know? You know, like like again, I I just turned thirty five, so I'm always kind of interested in this idea of, I guess, relating my experiences to that. And you know, there's certainly things that I rethink now. But was was there any kind of art that you kind of see, you know, like a connection to in terms of that time that that's continued or has it changed? Well, I think the the one sad thing about it, and I, I don't know, it's been so long since I, I've been in school that, uh, you know, in your experience, you can probably uh, say this is still going on. But there, but the differences in every year major was in art. Uh, there were big chasms of like when to graduate school, the clay people, I mean, the painters were in a whole other building and we never saw them and, and you hardly mixed communities. And so my interest at the time that I was a clay student was in, you know, the history of temporary clay. So, you know, I admired people like uh, uh, Robert Arneson and Peter Volkus Don Wrights and uh, and these type of like rock stars of the of the clay world at the time, but I had absolutely no no knowledge of painting or contemporary painting. 
I mean, I think in graduate school, I, I think I took one painting or something like that. So, you know, I mean, it was certainly, it was a rich time. I was fully immersed in, in the clay world, but on, on the other hand, I feel like, you know, oh, maybe I, maybe I missed some opportunities too, because I, I had, like I say, I had no knowledge of contemporary painting or, or the history of, of painting or uh, that, that came later uh, when I kind of like changed focus. Well, and, and so how did that happen? I mean, obviously, so did you, you completed your, your ceramics kind of specialty in terms of your graduate degree. So what did you, what did you wind up doing after that? Well, after uh, graduate school, I moved up to nord- northern Michigan, and uh, I went into business with uh, actually an a, a old um, ceramic stru- instructor from undergraduate school, and uh, we built small wood boats for a while, so uh, I was kind of involved in craft and the woodwork craft crafting world and i and i did that for a while and then that kind of woodworking skill and i started making things out of out of wood i kind of um because i didn't have any money after graduate school i i I seemed like i had i didn't the space or the money to like open my own like uh, clay studio uh so i kind of because of the boat building thing, ended up doing things in wood, which kind of let me down this road where I did art fairs for a number of years. And uh, I, I made like folk things out of wood um, that were painted and had a lot of, uh, they were kind of folk art inspired and had verbiage and words and characters drawn on it. And then I uh, I basically got into painting by uh, falling in love. I saw a poster of this woman. Her name was Melanie Park. And uh, she had the landscape painting on it. And I thought, holy mackerel, that painting, like I've, I've never really seen anything like that. I ended up, I took a class. She was teaching a class, a landscape painting class up here in northern Michigan. And I took her uh, class, ended up, we got together and we are now married. And so it was really by seeing this one poster of this person kind of opened up this whole world of painting. It's kind of, it's a romantic love story. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. So, so what was that experience like then? I mean, you're you're just taking a landscape class. Uh... In interest in craft, I mean, there was always this kind of idea of like pushing forward. I mean, I kind of kind of was taught that uh, in graduate school and uh, undergraduate school that you know you're you're going to take this material that has this long history, uh, and you're going to appreciate the long history of it. But then you're you, you know your job. At, this is to find out your voice and and to push this material forward into this kind of voice that that you have and um and i i love that aspect of i i think it's still real the the real uh, strength of, of art so when i was interested with painting there there this was a type of landscape painting that to me shared that sensibility uh melanie uh was really my teacher and she uh, connected to me with this kind of lineage of painters uh, starting primarily with uh, Tom Thompson uh, the leader of the Canadian uh, group of seven who in his own right was like kind of a radical uh, landscape painter I mean not that many people know about uh, him in, in this country but he's you know he's kind of like a national treasure in Canada because he he would go out into the Canadian wilderness and and paint the like, painterly chunky uh, brushstroke fill landscape paintings, and I, I think there's a connection in that lineage with the lineage that I had had been exposed to. You know that idea of yeah, this is a landscape painting, but it's not a landscape painting in the traditional conservative type of landscape painting that, you know, 
someone who doesn't know a landscape painting might might think of through melanie and her introduction to tommy thompson that i i kind of learned this whole history i think of a, a lineage of painters that uh, i connect with uh, i kind of really trace it all the way back to uh, turner and england and you know his his use of paint is as really is interesting part of the painting as the the scene itself and you know and then the work that monet is doing in his late water lilies paintings and you know coming over to this country john marin and fairfield porter and georgia o'keefe you know these this lineage of painters that are interested as much in 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 you know the the surface of the paint the paint itself the, um, the expressiveness of the paint um i i totally got you know sucked into all of that kind of talking about even just the what the what the wordage of plein air is and and working from a place but um is that, did that directness really appeal to you too that you could kind of go to a place and spend x amount of time working on something and, and responding to it oh yeah absolutely well on one hand it was they had similarities to the to the craft world that i came from but it also kind of like simplified things too you know i mean because you're working you've all of a sudden you've re- reduced things down to to two dimensions and um, that the aspect of having a painting studio is less complicated than you know having a clay studio and um, it's more portable and and things like that so so I think I think there is this directness I haven't really thought of that in in those terms but there is uh, I would say that's true well and, and something that I'm curious about too I mean you know we've talked a little bit about maybe you know, having an open-ended kind of a style of education in terms of like different things that you wanted to pursue, but is is drawing something that you're invested in? I mean, is that something that you've kind of explored, you know, throughout your artistic career? Or yeah, no, I, I uh, drawing I think is really you know critical in in terms of uh, of, of painting a painting sensibility. Um, I don't necessarily draw with a pencil. I do a lot of work. Uh, with gouache, I mean the travels. Uh, Melly and I have traveled a lot, a lot of painting in, oh, in Canada and, and Maine, and um, and I tend on trips like that to to do um, more paperwork with gouache, which which for me has feels like more drawing. Brushes tend to be smaller. I feel like I'm drawing more on paper than I am uh, on the canvas. And that's been really important because there's been times in my painting career where I've maybe done less drawing or I, I haven't, you know, devoted a part of the day to drawing. And then when I've gotten back to it, I've really realized like, wow, this is really, you know, this is, this is really an important thing that uh, I should really uh, devote more time to because uh, I'm, you know, the benefit is really important. Well, so one thing I was curious about, you know, as someone that, that paints outside and, you know, there's certainly a level of an unpredictability and I don't know, there's often times where I feel very stuck when I'm working through something. What was it like to be in that experience for the first time and, and working with that material and, and sorting through your problems and, and trying to resolve something when you're working on site? I think, you know, what what you first have to start doing is you you have to really learn how to look. You have to stop thinking because I can remember the, like the first class that I took from Mellon, like... I know I'm looking at some woods or something with some trees and, um, uh, and I, you know, I'm just painting this horrendous thing and I've got this like goopy brown tree trunks. And, um, so she comes over and she says, well, now really just look at that, look at that tree trunk, you know, do you see the, like the purple in, in that one side of the tree trunk? And I'm like, purple, purple tree trunk. But, you know, I had to learn to look because when you look at it, most tree trunks, I mean, they're not brown, but we, we think in terms of like wood as like being brown. So uh, that was like, I think the first thing that is so 
possible for people when they go into the environment uh, and to start to paint the landscape is to start to paint what you are seeing rather than what you think you are seeing. Any particular place that you started kind of exploring? I know that you have an area that you're exploring now in terms of your current studio practice, but I mean, was it just kind of in the region? Did you guys take trips out to to go paint in, in certain areas that you really liked or... Well, we're fortunate in uh, the sense that up here we have uh, the Sleeping Bear National Lakeshore, and it um, it's a national park, and it uh, is mostly in Leelanau County. It's um, and it's it stretches uh, up along the lakeshore for for quite a distance, and it's it's just a uh, pristine, beautiful. Uh, natural wonder if you've never uh, been up here it's pretty it's pretty impressive and um, so we would paint up there a lot Melanie her earlier days painting she actually set up a lot um, uh, quite a few little park uh, residency programs took this trip and uh, and traveled all around to national parks and helped set up artist residence programs that you can avail yourself to today. So there was always this affinity to like travel to national parks and we, uh, Arcadia. And because of this love, Tom Thompson and the group of seven, we would, we'd travel up to uh, Canada and, and paint up there a lot. And then because of, uh, you know, interest in George O'Keefe and Victor Higgins work out in the Southwest. We'd we'd go out to New Mexico and and paint there. The, you know the focus has always been, and still for myself today is primarily you know painting the the, the landscape here in Northern Michigan. And and obviously, I would think that some of those some of those different challenges in those different environments, you know, would offer you I don't know different things to look at. It's something that we kind of talked about a little bit before this, but. You know how do you how do you decide then what to to invest time in when you're when you're going into one of these environments and and that do you kind of walk around do you sit and observe or well I think you uh, you know you you make the decisions you know based on kind of like you know experiences there's similarities between northern Michigan environment and and the Canadian environment and even the the Maine environment there's similarities in trees and um, so you kind of like you know you're kind of looking for these kind of ideas or interesting spots that maybe have a interesting combination of water or distance and and it really threw me for a loop when we started to go out to New Mexico, which was a totally different environment. And um, there again, that was like, I had to like follow, you know, my own advice that I had learned here or Melanie's advice uh, in Michigan. And I had to like read, like look at what I was looking at because here in Michigan, I mean, it's a big deal if you can maybe see five miles into the, into the distance like out in new mexico you might be able to see 25 miles right so, so to try to have that experience uh and put that down on onto a canvas it, you know it's a it's a learning curve that you have to have to get get it onto well and so one thing that we haven't talked about either too like is there is there a particular science that you like to work at when you're when you're out working and and you've got your wheelbarrow set up, well, that's uh, uh, that's changed. I mean, kind of two things have really uh, changed a lot in the sense that um, you know, of maybe I can just talk a little bit about this uh, art camp experience because it uh, keys into what I are talking about this travel around this aspect of it, it started last fall. We um, on our property here. We own about five or six acres of land, and there's this little woods behind my studio. And initially, I went back there last fall, and I thought I would just just do like a a series of paintings. Then I came up with the idea that, you know, maybe I'll set up like a, a little spot back here, and maybe I'll paint like all year long. 
back here. And that's when my the idea for my what I call my art camp came about. I, I set up a little spot and I built a little fire, put up some chairs back there. And I kind of, kind of created this environment, this permanent outdoor studio there. And so my, my paintings kind of shifted from in the past of like traveling around, maybe trying to look for like an idealized, inspiring place to paint, to just doing what people like, you know, Cezanne and Monet and George O'Keefe did all of their life. They just mopped down and painted their environment, you know, their place, spot. So that's what I set out to do back in in my little spot. It was like, it was a very comfortable place. It was very, it was, you know, my woods. And so there was this like kind of intimacy started to happen. And it started, uh, quickly get back to your question, it started out with just small little paintings because maybe I was kind of like intimidated and kind of learning the, the, the lay of the land or the lay of the trees. It's really dense. It's a real dense uh, forest uh, area in this wood. But um, lately it seems like painting, the painting, they're really wanting to become bigger. Um, I, I kind of feel like I've really, I know these woods now and I know the subject matter and I'm, I'm not like painting every tree. I'm kind of like making these amalgamations of trees that um, still are recognizable to me, but uh, they're, they're becoming bigger in scale. So we were talking a bit about, you know, again, some of the, some of the uh, art camp kind of paintings and, and how all that started. One of the things that I'm especially curious about though, too. So how often do you do you start a painting, you know, from site and then finish it in the studio? Is that something that happens, or is it something that's all completed, you know, on site in that location? They're most all all completed you know, outside. And there's been times where either the one changed so much, or I just happened to bring a painting inside where I did work on it, and and some sometimes like just some things at the end can be completed in the studio. But I also found that, um, you know, I really like screwed a couple paintings up by trying to, you know, do some changes or go back into it. So pretty much they're all, all painted uh, outside on the spot. And so in terms of time, I mean, is that something that that um, you can complete in one sitting. Some of them can be completed in one sitting, and some of them can't. Or yeah, some of them some of them happen that way, or it happens over two days. The interesting thing about the winter paintings is I would just canvases outside and uh, overnight, or for a couple days, or I'd have them like stacked up in different spots, leaning against uh, different trees because i can't really do that so much in the like because of the threat of rain of like you know if the structure the canvas getting all wet but in the winter time particularly the winter that <laughs> the winter we had here in michigan this year where it was so cold and um so dry i mean we had tons of snow but you i just come back and and like shake the snow that had accumulated on the painting, shake it off and go back into it. Is that fire actually keeping you warm at all in this situation? <laughs> no, you know, it's really, it's kind of, it's more psychological in, in the sense. Sometimes it did. Sometimes you could go, I could go and sit and like warm my feet. and uh, But it was more, it was more kind of a psychological you know, it's like, in a sense, it was like a scrape palette, you know, there was like, it was a way to get ready to paint. I mean, it'd be like the first thing that I would go out and do, I'd go and start, start fire. And, and during that time, it was like, I think it was like transitional time between like home life or indoor life and outdoor life. It was, it was a bridge whereby I would kind of like, Oh, I didn't change my focus from 
thinking about this or thinking about that to being in art camp. And so the, the fire was kind of that kind of bridge that, that caused that to happen. It became really important for me to do, um, more so than I, than I thought. Well, and so what is it about this kind of experience that, that is so different from your, your regular day-to-day experiences? What, what is that about in the sense of like what, what compels you to keep kind of working with it? I can describe that because last fall I also began reading Marcel Proust's um, Remembrance of Things Past. And uh, I had never read Proust. Uh, several friends were also reading it, and so I started reading it. And the thing that struck me right away in reading that book is uh, the appreciation of like the long engagement and dedication. You know, Proust describes the narrator's life, or which is really most people, it's his life in such detail. And in, and, um, it's a real, I felt a real parallel, um, to what I was doing out in our camp. It was really making me slow down and making me just appreciate like the moment and responding, uh, in a in a painterly way when I was painting out there. What does uh, working in this manner allow you to kind of discover about something in terms of that kind of mark making or you know the the surface as as we were talking about earlier that flat surface versus something that's that's three dimensional. What this experience really uh, impressed upon me or taught me was that I was immersing my in this environment, and so. I learned is like you can't, particularly during the winter, if it's 20 degrees outside, you can't, you can't overcome that. You have to work within those parameters. So when, when it was really cold and when I was painting outside, you know, I knew I only had so much time. And so it really kind of made, it pushed me along. I had to make decisions. I couldn't, I couldn't dabble or take my time and, you know, go have him sit on a chair and, uh, you know, those typical indoor studio, studio things where you can sit in your chair and look at it for a while. And I mean, it's all important stuff. I, I do that still indoors myself, but being outside in the environment, that environment really dictated a lot of the, of, the working speed by which I had to work. Um, and I found that the, the painting started actually to get uh, more exciting. Maybe I was like reducing the detail down to more energetic brush working, or I was simplifying, you know, things down into a limited number of, of colors, um, I think it, it, it the weather really and the the weather and the environment was really um had a, a real dramatic effect on the uh, evolution of the paintings. Well, and you've talked a lot about, you know, just seeing. So I mean, I would think especially in that, you know, if uh, anybody's gone out for the first time landscape painting and they go out on a really pristine day, you know, you kind of see color a certain way, but when you go out and it's overcast, it's kind of a different experience. Is that that kind of dealing with that something that really helped you to kind of i don't know kind of keep staying on that that line that idea of kind of being in this situation kind of looking and kind of trying to paint what you see yeah certainly uh that that plays a big factor we also have uh here in Michigan along the lake we have like weeks of gray weather in the winter time we have a lot of cloud cover and so we don't have a lot of Day to day. We have a lot of season change, and um, that is really you can see you know in the in the body of paintings that I've created, you can really see the seasonal change, and you can see that in the spring, uh, you know it's to get more sunny, um, and that evident in, in the paintings. But uh, the, the winter paintings, you know, eighty percent of them are are cloudy dark days here in northern michigan we can 
I mean, particularly this winter, we had just piles and piles of snow. Well, snow means cloudy days, and we had weeks of that on end. Is it something that you've also kind of utilized other tools that you wouldn't have thought that, I don't know, that you'd be using? I mean, do you do any scraping? Are you using pallet knives, or is it just a lot of whatever the paint is and, and that on the surface of the canvas? Um, yeah, I think it's pretty much I've been using the same tools. I I, I use a lot of uh, cheap brushes. I do I, I use a palette knife quite a bit uh, to scrape things off, or just like apply big like swatches of color with with a palette knife. In my studio, I have a big glass palette. I normally, you know, mix colors on and paint off of. But outside, uh, I probably moved in painting out of containers, like yogurt containers and glass jars. And so I would end up, like, you know, with a dozen different jars with different colors. Not not that I'm mixing it ahead, but over time you start to build up like, a well, that's my blue jar and that's my light blue jar and that's my really light blue jar. And so I, I was, I probably, that was a big change. Well, so, and so it sounds like too a way to kind of help you move and, and work a little bit more responsive to that, that site that you're at. Right. And also like painting on a day where it maybe would be lightly snowing if I had a big glass palette uh, you know, you get snow on the paint, and then that starts to, you know, cause some use. But if the paint is like in like this container, that I could like keep the container underneath a board or something like that. It uh, it was a way to like keep keep moisture out of the out of the paint. So is that like balanced out with some of the other works that you do? You do a lot of floral motifs and floral still lives, and is that something that you would? continue to do while you're making paintings on location outside? Yeah, off and on. You know, I think the, the floral work is fairly made up. Um, I, I do look at some historical sources, florals, uh, like Rayon's paintings, and um, oh, just kind of like old, uh, like 17th century Dutch paintings or Spanish paintings. I like print out photos of them and like stick them all over my wall and and then when I am working on on floral pieces I kind of like am pulling and picking from from different uh, different source materials but also feel kind of like I'm doing that out in in the environment also because I don't really approach like painting uh if I'm the painting for the day I've, uh, I, I'm not necessarily like painting every tree where every tree is at. I've done them so many times now there are certain like a half a dozen like major trees in this area that I'm painting and they've become like like characters in a sense and and they show up a lot. I've kind of like learned their structure and their their form but I'm, I'm not necessarily like placing it exactly where it's at and so so i i think there's there's a a sharing that that's happening there 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 are two different bodies of work but there is that approach of like picking and choosing and building that happens with the bodies of work i think that's especially interesting in terms of like the color choices it seems like the floral pieces can be a lot more open-ended i guess just because maybe you're not as focused on you know, looking at specific, you know, like the the color and light that you see in, in right. nature. But then there's also like this kind of abstract quality or the way that you'll you'll stretch a material or, you know, see what kind of marks that it does that seems like it could be, I don't know, very influential in terms of the way then that you go back to thinking about uh, a work that you make on site. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's like candy in the, in the sense. I mean, I don't, uh, they go in, in spurts. I, I don't, uh, have the time to like every day, uh, work both on floral work or, or on the landscape work, floral work. Maybe they're more like still life pieces. Uh, um, but they, I, there is that certain, I mean, it's total playtime when working on those. Right. Right. 
Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, of course, is this exhibition that you have coming up at the end of the month. So could you talk a little bit about it, what's going on with it, and where it's at? I was uh, selected uh, this year to be the artist and at this wonderful uh a community organization called the Leelanau Community Cultural Center up in uh, Leland, Michigan. As part of that residency, I have just a, it's just a, a short uh, exhibition uh, of uh, the art camp painting. It's going to be the first kind of real exhibition of a wide selection of the painting starting last fall running all the way up uh, through the month. So I'm, I'm pretty excited because it's going to be like the first like showing of like this record of of painting. So I'm, I'm excited to see that all up on one wall. And that's uh, uh, at the last weekend of, of June. That sounds pretty exciting too, to be able to see them all, uh, all up and yeah. <laughs> probably off the off the studio wall and and kind of given their own space. Right. It's it's always nice to work on a body of work and then to be able to stand back and uh, and assess it and look at it as a whole. There won't be all of the paintings. There's a limited amount of room, but there'll be a, a good selection. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. And you also teach a a painting workshop. Is that right? They teach. Uh, one or two workshops uh, a year. Um, also, um, every summer I've uh, taught a, uh, it's a, like a three-day uh, painting workshop. That's also the uh, the uh, Leelanau Community Cultural Center. And um, it's it's a three, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. I, I enjoy teaching. Three days is, uh, it's such a short period of time. There's so much stuff that I, I like and I, I want to cover and talking about art and talking about how I paint art and talking about how other artists that um, paint the landscape paint the la- that I like paint the landscape and and then you know helping people that sign up for the workshop in in the work that they're doing it's it's a whirlwind but uh, I I do enjoy it. One of the specific dates for that and. How can how can people find out more information if they're interested in it? August uh, 11, 12, and 13. And you can go online uh, to www.oldartbuilding.com. The Old Art Building is kind of the, uh, the, it's the, the name that this uh, Leelanau Community Cultural Center has been given for their, like, center. It's an, it's an old historical building that actually used to belong to the uh, Michigan State University. And now it's a cultural center uh, up in Leelanau County, and they have a wide variety of, of different places. And, um, and so if you went to oldartbuildingalloneword.com and just clicked on uh, classes, uh, you could find out more about the class there. Yeah, it's very cool. And, and once again, everybody should go check out your website, and there's plenty of more information there. So please do that. And uh, once again, I, I really appreciate you taking a time to talk about your work. It's great to see, you know, how it's developing. And, and again, to be your friend uh, on Facebook, you know, you get live updates all the time. So it's very cool to see it in progress and, and see it continue to develop. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time this morning to talk to me. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I've enjoyed it. And I hope I haven't babbled on too long. <laughs> Thanks once again to Richard for joining us, and please check out his website, richardcoyman.com. And again, if you look in the news area, you'll see all the information about his exhibition at the end of the month, June 27th, at the Old Art Building in Leland, Michigan. And of course, if you're interested, what a better opportunity to start landscape painting than to start with Richard in August. So please check out his workshop. It seems like a very fun opportunity if you're in the area, so please check it out and sign up. In case you haven't figured it out, when I'm not doing Studio Break, I am also a painter and artist, so you can check out my work at davidlinaway.com. Once again, I make a lot of 
urban and suburban landscape paintings as well as plein air paintings. You can check them all out on davidlinaway.com. Again, find that handy link, and there is a bunch of new work there to check out, so please go ahead and do that. And, of course, if you want, you can always say hello. You can email me there or say hello on Facebook, wherever. If you have an interesting idea for a collaboration or something like that, please send a message and say hello. We would, of course, like to invite you to check out any of the other artist interviews on StudioBreak.com. Once again, 114 episodes complete with images of the artist's work, links to their websites, and, of course, links to the iTunes store where you can subscribe to the podcast, and we hope that you do that. Once again, if you listen to the Studio Break podcast regularly, we would really appreciate it if you left us some comments, some feedback there. Again, it just helps with visibility, and there's tons of people out there listening to podcasts in the world, and you can help them find this one so please help out that way of course you can help out by spreading the word on social media so please share this interview in facebook and twitter and once again you can like our page there get updates on facebook and see what's going on with studio break you can follow us on twitter at studio break and of course we are looking for cool art to share so please tweet it to us on twitter that's at studio break you can follow us on tumblr at studio-break.tumblr so please hit us up on all those social media websites we do want to wish all you artists listening a happy and productive time in the studio we thank you once again for listening and of course we'll talk to you real soon